0: Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt is sponsored by the Marquardt Law Firm and does not attempt to solve your individual legal problems upon the basis of information contained herein. Instead, contact an attorney to discuss the specific facts and circumstances of your unique situation. The views and opinions of this program do not reflect the views of the Salem Media Group. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquart.
1: Welcome to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Markport. We're on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. You might be listening on 9.30amtheanswer.com, where we're streaming now. You might be watching on Facebook Live, or you might be listening to a real old-fashioned radio on 9.30 a.m., in and around san antonio texas try interacting with me during the show on uh, twitter my handle is at talk law radio one or you can leave a comment in the facebook live uh, as we're live or you could call on the telephone 210-308-8867 The State Bar of Texas is the state agency that governs attorney law licenses, and the State Bar of Texas wants attorneys to inform the public about the law. But because legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and because laws are ever-changing, the material discussed today in this program is meant for general informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information contained today should be relied upon only when coordinated with your individual professional advice. Marquardt Law Firm is sponsoring the show today, and attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans. New businesses and old businesses, which might have issues with corporations, contracts, limited liability companies, family-limited partnerships, and we can represent those who are facing problems from lack of planning, like demands, uh, claims, lawsuits, guardianships, probate, real estate, breach of contract, and personal injury. Check out the blog at markcourtlawfirm.com to read about searching for a lost will and defective wills. Okay, before we get started talking about the law, let's begin with prayer. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for all the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Thank you for the rain. Thank you for the sunshine. Please help us to use the gifts and talents that you have provided, including uh, the information that we're going to receive today about those things that we might need to do following the death of a loved one. In Jesus' name, amen. Now it's time to discover your legal issue, Blind Spots, by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. Today, we're going to be talking about some unpleasant topics. Someone asked me to talk about a checklist of things that typically need to be done after a loved one passes away. This topic might hit a little close to home today. If so, I'm sorry for your loss. Death and funerals and dividing up a deceased person's belongings is often sad and difficult. The grief and stress of handling the funeral and the deceased person's earthly affairs might be a little less intense if today's checklist is helpful. First, I'm going to talk about the most common steps I can remember someone should take to do after his or her loved one dies to prepare for the funeral. Second, I'll talk about what the law requires to wrap up a person's legal affairs, like probate or trust administration. Third, I'll talk about paying the deceased person's bills. And fourth, we'll talk about what a surviving spouse or other beneficiary can do with their inheritance to figure out his or her new budget and new financial plan and how it might need to be adjusted. My earliest memories of what happens following uh, the death of a loved one uh, would be uh, when I was a child. My mom's dad, uh, we called him Gran. He passed away after finding out that he had pancreatic cancer. He was only 60 years old. I sort of remember what my grandmother, my mama, and my mom and my aunt had to do in order to uh, wrap up his affairs and figure things out for my mamaw. I also remember um, my Aunt Debbie, uh, she passed away after battling breast cancer, and some of the things that my dad and uh, my uncles did to uh, following her uh, passing to uh, wrap up her affairs so i was just a child during the those times but it had an impact on me i sort of noticed that um, there was grief and i noticed that there were certain things that had to be done and of course i've been helping people with this same question for the last 15 years practicing as an attorney doing estate planning probate and trust administration so i'm i'm familiar with some of the things Now, I learn something new, you know, every day, every week, every month. Somebody asks me another question that maybe I hadn't had to address yet. So I just keep collecting that information and experience. So uh, after somebody passes away, you know, due to a serious illness or an accident or a medical mistake, um... They might be at the hospital. The deceased person might be at the hospital already. If so, you don't really need to call anybody because they will already be telling you what you need to do. If uh, your loved one passes away at home, then you either need to call the police or you need to call the funeral home. Uh, You'll know you need to call the police if there's a crime in progress. Or if there's some kind of an emergency, then you dial 911. If uh, you think your loved one uh, passed away due to other suspicious circumstances that maybe is not an emergency, you can call the non-emergency police number. Just look that up in the phone book or Google it. Um, you can also call the, the Bear County medical examiner uh, who would perform an autopsy if there was a uh, passing away due to suspicious circumstances, uh, or you call the funeral home and they will uh, pick up the deceased person's body and they will uh, start preparation for the funeral. Uh, that brings us to the next point, um, because the the funeral home is going to be wandering. How is this deceased person going to pay for his or her own funeral? Well, they can't. So you have to have uh, loved ones or friends or family uh, step up to pay for the funeral. Unless there's a pre-need funeral plan, Uh, you can go to a funeral home now and decide how you want to be buried or cremated and pay for those things in advance if you uh, don't know which funeral home you like, you don't have a relationship with uh, someone who works with a funeral home, uh, you can always ask your attorney or you can email me. You can email us at host at talklawradio.com. That's H-O-S and Sam, T is in Timothy at talklawradio.com. Let me know if you need a referral. So... If you don't have a pre, pre-need, funeral, pre-need funeral plan, then you need to look for uh, funds elsewhere. Some people say they have uh, burial funds. Some people say they have uh, a life insurance that will pay for that. Uh, other times, if you can't find any of that, those resources, then a loved one has to pay out of pocket and figure out how to get reimbursed later. Um, but sometimes with a life insurance policy, if you have the information in hand and it's current, uh, you can assign that to the funeral home to pay for the funeral arrangements and then the, the funeral home, if there's any, uh, value left after paying all of the funeral expenses, can distribute the remainder of the policy to the beneficiaries. Um... So we're going to be right back. We're going to take a short break, and we'll continue talking about what you should do after the death of a loved
0: one. Probate could be a nightmare for your family, which is why it's important to meet with an attorney before you go on vacation. Get your affairs in order just in case, God forbid, tragedy strikes and you become disabled or worse happens while traveling. Attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trust, and tax-protected inheritance plans. A living trust might save your family thousands of dollars. Protect what's yours at Markport Law Firm, 210-530-4278.
1: Welcome back. It's Todd Marcourt on Talk Law Radio, 9.30 a.m. The Answer. You can listen on the radio, or if you're at home and you don't have a radio anymore, you can turn on your computer and go on the Internet and uh, search for 9.30amtheanswer.com and click on uh, My Smiling Face, and you can stream live through your computer speakers Or you can, after the show, go to Apple Podcasts and search for me there, Talk Law Radio. Or you can go to our website, TalkLawRadio.com. We have all our episodes recorded there as well. Today we're talking about those things that might need to be done after a loved one has passed away. Um, If this hits a little too close to home... I'm sorry for your loss. The reason I'm talking about this today is because I've been getting lots of questions about what exactly should we do after a loved one passes away. And maybe this is simple for you, uh, but what I've noticed is that uh, some people are so affected by the grief and stress of uh, having a loved one pass away, they're paralyzed. They're sort of in a fog and they they, they're not thinking clearly, and so having a list of things that they can do, that makes it easier because they can take action as long as they know sp- specifically what needs to be done next. So I was talking about how to pay for the funeral. Of course, if you have money in the bank or, or you have cash in hand or you have a pre-need funeral plan or you have life insurance, you can pay all of those different ways. Sometimes uh, you sort of think that there's a life insurance, but you don't know where it is. If your loved one had a safe deposit box at a bank and you don't have a key or you don't have permission to access the safe deposit box, uh, we can ask the court for uh, authority to open that box. Um, It's a court procedure. It's a lawsuit that has to be filed. A member of the court staff has to come with us down to the bank. If we don't have a key, then we also have to have a locksmith drill into the, the box. So all of these are expenses, um, and the officer from the court is only going to open the box to see if there's a will or a life insurance policy in there. You're not going to get to see what all's in there until after the Uh, administrator, or personal representative, or executor is appointed by the court. For this process, it's just to determine if there's life insurance or a will in there. If there is, then you can use that to help pay for the funeral expenses. Next, uh, after a loved one passes away, you definitely want to make sure that you secure and insure all of that person's assets. Uh, real estate, personal effects, um, motor vehicle, anything that you can think of that has value, you want to think about is it secure and how can I insure it. Um, I'm not kidding about the security um, because sometimes that deceased person's house is vacant nobody's there and word gets out that he or she passed away. People will try and go in there and take some of the things out. And these might be family members. So uh, if you have access to the house, you might want to change the locks. You might want to put security cameras up. You might want to hire a security company to monitor the premises uh, 24 hours a day. All of that's expensive, of course, and you just have to weigh the likelihood that somebody would – Um, loot the place against uh, the expensiveness of doing all of those things, Um, but it probably needs to be done. Then you want to notify everybody as soon as possible. You don't want them to find out just by scrolling on Facebook uh, as they're watching TV that their best friend had passed away. You want to call them and let them know firsthand as soon as possible. And so in order to find that contact information, you might need to search for your loved one's black book of contacts or or the equivalent, wherever those contacts are stored. Call everybody, email everybody, send them a letter, send them a text message. Uh, This is what your deceased loved one would have wanted you to do to inform his or her friends that he or she passed away. And you might want to also invite them to the funeral. Um, So begin working on the obituary. Uh, It doesn't have to be finished uh, right away, but um, the sooner the better. And I recommend publishing it both in the city where your loved one passed away and maybe also in the city where your loved one grew up. Yes, publishing obituaries is expensive, but again, in my experience, this is something that a lot of people tell me that they want, and so your loved one probably would have wanted you to do that as well. So the the calling and writing and emailing, all of those contacts, that's going to be time-consuming, and so you might want a friend or family member to help you do that, make sure it's done in a timely manner. Of course, you're going to attend the wake, the rosary, the funeral service, and the burial, uh, and this is your time to grieve, so you might want to put somebody in charge of taking attendance. Um, Not in a formal way, but just to make sure that everybody's there that's supposed to be there, because in my experience, if somebody's not at the funeral, they're probably at the house taking the deceased person's belongings. And that's not meant to be a joke. That's what I've heard actually happens. So just keep that in mind. And uh, even in loving, caring families, sometimes people do this. Um, Sometimes the the stuff in the house is all they have to hold on to the memories uh, to their loved one. So it's not always about money. Sometimes it's about control, and sometimes it's about the memories. So uh, just some food for thought there. After the funeral is over and things have settled down, you will want to contact a probate attorney and it might be the, the same attorney that, that wrote the will for your loved one. So that brings me to my next point. Um, where, where is the will? Sometimes it's hard to find. So let's see. I'm trying to find my notes. I'm not using my tablet today because I left it at home, apparently. Uh, but I do have my notes on my phone, and it's just smaller to look at. So I'm trying to find, uh, recently I wrote a blog about um, where to look for wills. Okay, here we go, searching for wills. So sometimes people have a hard time finding it, and, and that's why I bring it up. You don't really need a lawyer to tell you where to look for a will, but when they they call me and I say is there a will they say yes and I say well I need to read it <laughs> and they say well we haven't found it yet so remember I said could be in the safe deposit box well some other places where clients have told me where they found the will well it's probably at the deceased person's home unless it's in a safe deposit box sometimes The estate planning attorney that wrote it will keep original documents. Uh, We don't do that at Marquardt Law Firm, um, but some attorney firms do that. So you could always call them. Look for uh, important documents uh, that the deceased person had. So this might be bills, bank statements, financial statements, stock statements, Uh, Birth certificates, title documents, if you find that kind of stuff, the will might be in there. If you see filing cabinets, I recommend looking through every single filing cabinet, every single file, because sometimes things get misfiled. Uh, Look for a home safe. It could be anywhere, and it it might have a key, it might have a combination, so you need to at least find that. Look, look in the dresser drawers if you haven't found it yet. Look in the kitchen drawers. Um, you can look at the bookcase. Look in the top of the closet. Look in the shoe boxes. Look for a briefcase. Look for a backpack. Um, I've even seen people carrying around their wills in those reusable grocery sacks. So everything is fair game and if you haven't found it yet then look two more times in all of those same places Uh, I tell my staff if you haven't looked three times you haven't looked (laughs) okay another place um, that you could look is well I think that's it those are all the ideas I have so far if you have an idea that I haven't yet said uh, please email me at host at I'm interested in keeping a list of these uh, possible locations for a will. So just let us know. Okay, let's see. And if you find a will and it looks strange, well, it, it might be defective. Uh, there might be some defects in it. It might be good for some purposes and and not so good with other for some other purposes but don't throw out the baby with the bathwater because probating a defective will might be better than going through probate with no will at all. Uh, if you don't have a will, if your loved one doesn't have a will, you might have to just follow what's in the Texas Estates Code because the state of Texas says, who gets the assets if no will is done? And that might not be what your loved one wanted to happen. Um, some of the defects that we've found have been uh, the executor's name is wrong, uh, the executor is deceased, the executor has Alzheimer's disease, the executor has a felony conviction, uh, real estate wasn't specifically named in the will, and there's no residuary clause there's no specific gifts at all and no residuary clause. The, I saw a document one time that was labeled a trust at the top, but then it appointed an executor. There was no other evidence of trust assets, so we probated it as a will. I call that the Frankenstein will because it was homemade and contained some trust words and some last will and testament words. We had one will that left the contents uh, to somebody but didn't say the contents of what. Was it the contents of the home? Was it the contents of the cedar chest? Was it the contents of the glove box in the car? There's lots of places where contents could be. Uh, There there was a, a will that didn't dispose of remains. There was no provision that said burial or cremation so there was a big fight over the cremated remains who was going to take possession. There are some wills that are signed by witnesses but it's not what we call self-proved so that we have to locate those witnesses and if they can't be found that's a big problem because they have to testify in court that they actually saw the will being signed We saw a will that appointed an executor that was not independent, so the executor had to get permission from the judge to do everything. Um, We saw a will that named a specific bank account to go to somebody, but again, there was ambiguity. We have to take another break. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquart. Listen up to discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. Uh, today we're talking about some unpleasant subjects. When somebody asked me to talk about a checklist of things that need to be done after a loved one passes away, this topic might hit a little close to, too close to home If so, I'm sorry for your loss. Death in funerals and dividing up a deceased person's belongings is often sad and difficult. The grief and stress of handling the funeral and deceased person's earthly affairs might be a little less intense, hopefully, uh, if today's checklist is helpful. So uh, I was talking about Uh, lost wills or or searching for the will and defective wills, if there's no will and you need an administrator to be appointed immediately because there's some emergency, in Texas we call that uh, appointment of a temporary administrator. There's five real categories that uh, I've experienced um, really need a, an emergency probate. You might, might think it's an emergency, but you have to really talk to an attorney so that we can help you understand whether a judge is likely to agree and grant the emergency temporary probate. Number one, the life insurance policy is locked in a safe deposit box. No one has access or authority to access the box and the funeral home or cemetery needs to be paid. Number two, the will or trust is locked in the safe deposit box, and business associates, vendors, suppliers, or family members need to know who the executor is. Uh, Number three, a will contest has broken out, and uh, there's people disputing uh, potential beneficiaries want to secure the deceased person's assets and property. Number four, the deceased person's business will suffer immediate harm unless an administrator is appointed to run the business. Number five, a lawsuit must be filed or answered within time limits or be barred by statute of limitations. So that's important to figure out if your deceased loved one had either been sued or whether he or she was going to file a lawsuit for injury or wrongful death or something like that so the court will appoint a temporary administrator only if there's facts or circumstances showing an immediate necessity for the appointment there has to be an immediate necessity and you have to be able to explain why it's immediate and why it's necessary in court to a judge. So this is a lawsuit. You need an attorney for this. Chapter 452 of the Texas Estates Code is what sets out what's required in order to get temporary administration. We might come back to this if we have uh, enough time, Um, but we want to focus on uh, the will, getting administration going. So, what two things have to happen in order for a will, a last will and testament to be useful? You got it? You have it in your mind? Well, I'll tell you then. Number one, you have to die. A will can still be changed by you if you're still alive. So, it's not really set in stone if you're still alive. The will can only be used to transfer assets to the beneficiaries after the person who wrote the will has passed away. Got it? Okay, what about number two? Number two, a judge has to agree that the last will and testament is valid. Uh, a will that has not been approved by the probate court or the county court at law where the county court um, has to, if, if a judge hasn't approved of it, then banks and other financial institutions, real estate title companies, they're not going to honor it. So some people say that it must go through probate. So what is probate? The term probate comes from the Latin word probare, which means to test or prove. One purpose of probate is to prove the validity of the will. For the judge to make an official certification proving that the will is is real and authentic. Why must a judge look at the will? Some wills are invalid. Some studies show that 7% of wills are invalid. Other studies show 9%. How many of you remember Howard Hughes, the famous airline test pilot and movie producer? Well, after he passed away, there were several wills offered for probate, and the judge had to decide whether each one was valid. His estate was in probate for 20-plus years. In Texas, there are seven different court actions that can occur within a proceeding relating to a decedent's estate. Uh, Some statutory references call it a probate matter. Some call it a probate proceeding Some say proceedings in probate. Some say proceedings for probate. They're all synonymous and including a matter or proceeding relating to a deceased person's estate. The decedent is the person who died and the person who's leaving an inheritance. So let's see what's next. So that's why we usually have to go through probate. And there's other statutes of limitation that are important for you to realize. Number one, the statute of limitations in Texas for probate of will is four years. You have to go through probate within, or you have to file the application for probate within four years of the deceased person's death. So get that done. There's also statute of limitations for creditors' claims, for funding testamentary irrevocable trusts, uh, to establish an alternate valuation date, for getting disclaimers, and for filing the IRS Estate Tax Form 706. Uh, The probate process is there's an application for probate, uh, there's a hearing for probate, There is um, a proof of death and other facts that has to be signed under oath. There's an oath where you promise to do a good job to follow the terms of the will and to uh, follow the law. Okay, so the, the person who's nominated as executor is the one who hires the probate attorney and files all of these things in the probate court. Then... After the judge approves the will, uh, appoints the executor, you're issued either letters testamentary or letters of administration. That's an official court document that proves the executor or the administrator has authority to make decisions for the estate. Then the, the next immediate job is to make an inventory of the estate assets. Now, that that could be bank accounts, could be investments, um, could be uh, real estate, uh, could be personal effects. So if, if it's personal effects in the home, you probably need to go room by room making a list of everything. And yes, it could be a tedious process, but this is the job that you've been nominated for. And if you've filed for probate, it's the job that you've accepted and it's necessary for um, the legal proceeding and probate. It's necessary for the beneficiaries to be aware of what assets are there. And it's, it could be necessary for tax purposes also. Then you're going to want to make a list of creditor's claims of bills that might need to be paid. So make you want to check the mail. Um, because that's where if if you don't have a filing cabinet full of invoices to cross-check, you're going to want to check the the mail and see if there's any bills in there. And then it's your job to figure out if they're legitimate or not. So you might want to contact the creditors and ask for proof that the claim is valid. Okay, uh, find out, does anybody owe the deceased person money? That would be a claim the deceased person has against somebody else. Uh, Claims like that go on the inventory as an asset. Find out if the deceased person owned a business. You might want to continue operating the business, uh, or you might want to get a receiver appointed to operate it. Or if you're the executor, you could possibly hire uh, a CEO or manager to help get some of those things done. Um, You probably need to figure out if there's a surviving spouse that's entitled to an allowance, a family allowance, or is entitled to exempt property before paying all those bills. And the claims and the bills, there's a priority in how they should be paid. Sometimes probate's like a mini-bankruptcy. Maybe the creditors aren't going to be paid in full, uh, so there is a statutory process for making sure that they get paid pro rata according to their priority so talk to your probate attorney about that we have to take another break and when we come back we'll talk about inheritance stay tuned
0: It could be a nightmare for your family, which is why it's important to meet with an attorney before you go on vacation. Get your affairs in order just in case, God forbid, tragedy strikes and you become disabled or worse happens while traveling. Attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trust, and tax-protected inheritance plans. A living trust might save your family thousands of dollars. Protect what's yours at Marquardt Law Firm, 210-530-4278.
1: Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt. We're talking about what things might need to be done following your loved one's passing away. If this hits a little too close to home, I'm sorry for your loss. Uh, The reason why we're talking about this is because this is a question that comes up sometimes following uh, the passing of somebody. Uh, I get this question at the law firm a lot. They want to the loved ones want to know what their legal obligations are. They also want to know what practical things need to be done in order to uh, wrap up their loved one's affairs. So we, we talked a little bit about uh, what needs to be done before the funeral, during the funeral, after the funeral. One thing I forgot to mention is uh, you probably need a lot of death certificates. Some people get too many. Some people don't get enough. If you order, uh, there's a minimum price just to place an order. And then there's uh, just paying a little bit more for each copy thereafter. So it's less expensive per death certificate to get them ahead of time than to have to go back and get more. So I recommend getting enough for the... uh, Most immediate family members, they usually want one for their files, and get enough for uh, the creditors, uh, one for each company that the deceased person owes money to, and get one for each uh, institution where he or she has an account, bank accounts, financial services companies like stocks, bonds, brokerage accounts, retirement accounts, insurance Companies. Some people have dealings with lots of different companies, so you need lots of uh, death certificates. Uh, you might need one to collect pensions, uh, surviving spouse benefits, surviving beneficiaries. Uh, so you might need to know um, what benefits was the deceased person getting at the time they passed away, and uh, or were they still working so you might need to contact that employer so get death certificates for all of those reasons i wanted to bring up that the bible does have something to say about inheritance so paul in galatians 3 verses 15 17 compares uh, the covenant that god made with abraham to a legally binding will where we can set down our promises to our beneficiaries. And, and then there's the inheritance that Jesus left us. Um, you know, he said that whoever believes in Jesus can inherit eternal life. So that's our inheritance through Jesus. And we have an opportunity to make a will to name our beneficiaries. So if you are a beneficiary, what do you do then if if you're going to inherit this money? Well first you need to analyze how is this going to affect your own personal tax situation. Um, but before that, is this going to be a taxable estate? Um, there is an exemption as we like to call it, some people call it a credit, I like to say exemption from federal estate tax, of $11,700,000 this year. If the deceased person had less than that, counting the total value of life insurance policies, retirement accounts, real estate, then they don't have to pay federal estate tax. If it's above that, then you're going to pay 40%. If you don't have $11 million, don't get too excited because this exemption expires at the end of 2025 and goes back down to $5 million adjusted for inflation. If you have less than that, you still need to keep an eye on it because Congress likes to change this law. It typically goes up, but uh, we think that with the current administration in Washington, the the presidency and the House of Representatives um, might want to change that. And they might have the numbers to get that change done. I have heard that uh, President Biden was uh, suggesting we go back to three and a half million dollar exemption. So you just have to keep an eye on this. Estate tax is one of those. Uh, Generation skipping transfer tax is something you have to keep an eye on. And uh, you need to find out or ask or figure out what type of gifts were given during life because there's a lifetime gifted, gift exemption, too, and, and that goes against your estate tax credit. So you have to worry about that before you decide whether estate tax has to be paid. Then you evaluate your own income tax situation. So this is going to be taxable to me. Uh, if, it's, if you're inheriting an IRA or 401 you're probably going to have to follow the same rules as a retired person. going to have some minimum required distributions. Uh, with the SECURE Act, there were changes in how a beneficiary can inherit an IRA and when they're going to have to take uh, distributions from that account. Uh, Beneficiaries used to be able to stretch that out over their lifetime uh, based on their age, Uh, but the SECURE Act changed that and says that typically uh, a beneficiary will have to take distributions over a 10-year period. Unless you're a surviving spouse or a disabled beneficiary, there's some exemptions uh, for that. So you need to at least analyze that. Uh, I recommend you work with a team. There's an estate planning team. It includes an attorney, a financial advisor, a CPA, tax preparer, an accountant. And I recommend that you find a team that works together and that works with you. If you think one of those pieces is missing, uh, email me at host at martin. Well, host at talklawradio.com, H-O-S-T, at talklawradio.com. We can give you some recommendations if you need one. So I was talking about what you would do if you were receiving an inheritance. If you're a surviving spouse, the things I hear the most are, gosh, this is really going to affect the total income that's coming in. Because you can imagine with two living spouses, the income's higher than just one living spouse. Well, sometimes the deceased spouse has um, benefits that will provide for a surviving spouse. And so you want to look into that. And you might be able to do that on your own. Uh, I have had a a couple of surviving spouses this year that needed help um, filling out the appropriate Um, applications and documents and forms to uh, government agencies and pensions in order to make that claim because they can be confusing. Um, Also, if there's a shortfall in income, uh, you probably need to reevaluate the financial plan, uh, the the stocks, bonds, and mutual funds that um, had the savings for the deceased person, You might want to reevaluate your risk tolerance, your needs for liquidity there, and the like. Uh, I don't do financial planning, but I work with a lot of financial planners. And so if if you like the financial planner that your deceased loved one uh, was using, then uh, let's get that person on the phone and get them on the same page for your strategy for um, paying your bills for the next stage of life. If you need a referral, let's get you a referral. So that's, those are some important things you might need to do after you receive your inheritance. And then maybe you need to think about updating your will. If you have changed circumstances, uh, you, your executors are no longer appropriate, or you want to change the way the beneficiaries are going to receive their inheritance – or you've you've changed your mind on the percentage, how you would divide things up. Um, All of those things can be addressed in your will. Maybe you want to change your estate plan so that it's easier for your beneficiaries. Uh, Setting up a will is very easy for you because you don't have to do too much except for get the will right. Um, But then... The beneficiaries have to figure everything out later. They have to do the inventory. They have to contact all of those entities. They might not know everybody that you deal with. If you want to make things easier for them, you might want to think about using a living revocable trust where you can get everything uh, organized in advanced. I like to say with a living trust, you probate your will while you're still alive because the trust is going to own everything that you owned and it's going to have everything organized and state who gets what and when. And also a living trust can be used if you become disabled and incapacitated rather than using a permission slip like a power of attorney you can put your specific instructions in a living trust that says how you want to be taken care of, whether you want to stay home and receive home care, even if, it's, even if a physician doesn't think that's a good idea. Well, you can have a home care provider there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Or maybe you want to stay in the nicest assisted living place in town. Or maybe you want to save the most money and qualify for government benefits so that uh, your family members can receive an inheritance that you worked so hard for. Uh, These are three of the most common um, take-care-of provisions that I've helped people put into their living trust. Maybe yours will be different. Maybe it will be slightly different. Uh, something else that we like to put in the wills or in the trust is a preamble, a statement of faith about what your beliefs are, um, how you're getting out of here, so to speak. Excuse me, I'm, I'm cracking up because I've been talking so long. <clears throat> Don't have a guest today, so you had to hear me talk the whole time. Um, but in the future, we're going to be talking about real estate and why San Antonio is such a hot market. If you have questions about that, email me at host at talklawradio.com. If you have ideas for shows on legal topics that you have questions about, email me at host at talklawradio.com or put your comments in the Facebook feed uh, while you're watching right now. I read every comment for every show. So leave us your comments. Uh, We thank you for listening today. Thank you for telling your friends that you listen to Talk Law Radio, that you watch me on Facebook. Uh, We'll see you soon.
0: could be a nightmare for your family, which is why it's important to meet with an attorney before you go on vacation. Get your affairs in order just in case, God forbid, tragedy strikes and you become disabled or worse happens while traveling. Attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trust, and tax-protected inheritance plans. A living trust might save your family thousands of dollars. Protect what's yours at Marquardt Law Firm, 210-530-4278.